Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. nothing a series of the book of Galatians and uh, I'm still pumped about the series I'm still uh, excited by the conversations that I'm having with people as they're engaging the word in and through this amazing book of Galatians and we're going to read a section of scripture that for me could easily be a part of the movie Braveheart or Gladiator it's kind of right in there I'm not going to be reading in Scottish today but uh, we're going to read from Galatians chapter 5 no we won't do Scottish today it would be a bit much. Our visitors have had a tough morning already. Um, <laughs> verse 1, chapter 5. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I'm still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. It's in the Bible. I didn't write it. It's there. And uh, you, if you are visiting today, you have arrived in the middle of a series. So you're in the middle of a series, and it's like that shock factor first three seconds you get, where they give you the whole series in one. We're here. So don't get too shocked. We're going to explain it. It actually is incredibly good. And um, there's this big thing of freedom. It's a big thing for our world. It's a, everyone has an opinion on what it looks like, what it is, what it might involve, um, and, and, and what they want from it. So we all run America, USA, land of the free. And um, freedom is the thing you shout. I remember getting my driver's license on my 18th birthday. I was that kid. I was so desperate for the freedom. I remember getting in the car for the first time on my own. My parents petrified as I drove away from the house and driving down the road. And everything inside of me was shouting, freedom. It's like, this is amazing. And, um, but everyone has an idea and it drives people. It drives ideals. It drives movements. It drives everything. Abraham Lincoln said, freedom is the last best hope on earth. Martin Luther King Jr. Freedom is never voluntary given by the oppressor. It must be demanded by the oppressed. Nelson Mandela, when a man is denied the right to live the life he believes in, he has no choice but to become an outlaw. And Bob Marley, why not? Better to die fighting for freedom than a prisoner all the days of your life. And you can imagine that in a, in a groove. But freedom has caused wars. The fight for freedom has caused division. It has caused a whole bunch of movements to rise up. It has caused tragedies and factions. 
And there's many different views of freedom. And today we've got to look at something of a biblical view. What is this guy talking about? Why is he talking about freedom and then straight afterwards speak about something like circumcision? And why is that important for us today? And many Westerners' views in these times is freedom is my ability to do what I want, when I want, how I want, with very few consequences, and that's freedom. That's the goal. That's the pinnacle. So I can do what I want, when I want it, and, and, and how I want it, basically all about me. There's a lack of consequences, and what there very much is is a lack of control in my story. You are the, the, the person trying to shake off control in your life and your story, and um, there are many different forms of it. It probably takes more forms, and we're probably aware of it in different areas, like financial freedom, to not having to rely on a parent, a system, a bond, a anything, to have financial freedom. And I think that just went bang. Was that me? Okay, we're carrying on. Freedom from microphone issues. And, um, but relational freedom. And, and so it looks a little different to different people in our world. Relational freedom to some is the ability to have open relationships and, and freedom with everyone. For some, it's actually open sexuality. And actually, the thing we should guard so carefully is a thing that should become open and free for all. It's an interesting perspective in our world. Time, freedom and time, we don't want fixed jobs, we want to control our own time. So some are leaving for work at five in the morning, even in our own amazing city. It's I want flexibility, I want to be able to move and do my thing in my time. I want to travel the world, I want to, what about freedom of opinion? We live in a world where opinion is, is a currency that is traded on a social media platform and it's free. You give it, you take it, but you, but you, you just give it and sometimes without consequence, without reality, and um, it's a challenge. But we've got to ask the question, is that perspective of freedom working? In the land of the free, in the USA, in a, where there is a p- pursuit for autonomy and individual autonomy and self-definition and so many levels, unfortunately, it's leading to a crisis of loneliness and alienation at every turn. So we've got to go back to the Word and say, well, what is Paul speaking about? Why, why is it landing in some of these areas where we, we fight for freedom, but freedom looks like Laws that, that allow children to go and get access to guns and shoot in schools. Is that freedom? I mean, it's a radical example, and I know that, but is that freedom? Is freedom just give everyone every option to carry on? Because no freedom fighter has ever fought for a nation without a few of the government. They just fight to take the government down so they can put another one in place. Because most of men and most governments and most nations realize, actually, there is a need for some elements of control, elements of leadership in every story. But I don't want to jump ahead. And, um, but is there a better way, I suppose, is the question. So what is freedom? And if you boiled it right down, it's the shorthand verse for everything Jesus came to accomplish for us. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. He, he bought us a freedom, a different form of freedom to the world. And the challenge is we can't go and pick and choose which freedom we want. We don't get a pseudo kind of max, a whole bunch of freedoms. I want everything the world wants. So I want freedom of every form and, and I do whatever I want without any limitations. And I want Jesus' freedom. The word brings us back and say, well, what freedom do you want? Because it's not exactly the same. And um, Christian freedom is about what Christ did for us. And gave to us, he set us free. Christian freedom is about Jesus. 
Why do we sing that name over and over again? And why does it give us courage and strength? And why is there something of my spirit that is pulled into a new place, is a higher place? Is because in that name, there is freedom. In that name, my life and my, my story that can be under circumstance and situation finds its freedom in him. Freedom is not a bank account. Freedom is not a social status. Freedom is not even a, 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 a situation of life. It's Jesus. Freedom is the word Paul used to describe how we live. And he's, it's worth fighting for. He says, mark my words, I, Paul. He, he's fighting for this thing. He's not backing down. This whole book is, is a setup to a fight for freedom, a fight for people's hearts. Remember, this book is written to the church. It's written to issues within the church and a fight for the heart of the church. It's not a missional, let's go out. It's a, let's sort ourselves inside here. Let's deal with what's really happening in this heart. Let's get that right so actually the story can keep going. And when we call people to the story, the gospel of Jesus, they find life. And he says in verse 4 that, that in every turn, they turn from freedom. When you turn from freedom and, and you bring bondage into the story, when we find freedom and our ability to be free in something other than Jesus, there's no freedom at all. We are actually rejecting Christ, and you're saying his work isn't enough. That's why we've called it Jesus plus nothing. Because it's not even Jesus, the full of Jesus plus something. A little bit of work, a little bit of effort, a little bit of me, a little bit of my ability to pull this off. Look how good I am as a Christian. No, it's not that. It's everything about Jesus. So why is he so angry? And why would he end on that delightful verse of Scripture? I wish they would just go the whole way and emasculate themselves. If you don't know what they, that means, ask the person next to you. And, um, but he's fighting because these guys are coming in and they're preaching a, a, a false gospel. And it's, he says this, you were running a good race. You were running a good race. Who cuts in on you? It's like the guy who's running down the wing. I was watching under... 13 rugby yesterday, and this little guy's running, he's homing away. And next minute, this monster of a 12-year-old, just like, it's, it, they were, I mean, I, they were, I'm glad there was anything left of this little kid afterwards. I was like, oh, I didn't want to look. But he gets up in this mud. It's like this kid cuts in on him. His goal was there. The line was open. He was running his heart out. The ball was the size of him. He's running, he's running. And this big kid just takes, someone cuts in on you. And Paul's saying, actually, what's happening is someone's cut in on you and you can't even see it. That's the tragedy. That's the challenge. So he has to come and reemphasize and bring them to a freedom story that looks like the gospel. It says, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Paul is saying, and that's why he goes straight from that amazing line into circumcision. So let's understand that because some of you are like, what's going on here? Paul's just anti-circumcision. He had a bad experience himself. It's like not fashionable anymore. There's a new thing. Or maybe it's like these days circumcision. You might get sued by your kid when he gets to 16. It's all those. It's a new world. There's a whole bunch of new things going on. Circumcision is not a popular thing. That's not what's going on here. Paul himself had advocated circumcision for Timothy in Acts 16. For the mission, for the gospel, for context, for the reality of the gospel going on. He wasn't anti-circumcision in itself. That was not the issue here. He hadn't had a bad experience. It wasn't some emotional scar he was bearing, so he's trying to preach a gospel. It wasn't that. He was fighting for their hearts. 
He was fighting for freedom, not in their access or their ability to do what they wanted to do. He was fighting for freedom in their hearts because what was happening is these teachers were coming saying, yes, fully Jesus plus circumcision. If you just go do this one little ritual, this one little act, you would have fully done the story and you would have pleased God. Why? Because for years, hundreds of years, they lived under laws that told them if you fulfill this and this and this and this, you would have pleased God. And then the whole story changes in Jesus, and they are struggling to navigate that journey. They are struggling to step into the fullness of that freedom. So they're coming with their cultural realities and saying, if we just add this. But Paul's saying, that's no gospel at all. It's not a slightly better version of a gospel. That is a heart in bondage because you are doing an action that doesn't lead to life. Do we get it? So circumcision is not the issue. Understand this. Circumcision could stand for anything that we would do as a believer out of any belief that in some way it would somehow make God love us more other than the one thing that is Jesus died on the cross and washed me clean by his blood. It's anything. And I mean anything. It could be, I'm going to dress really smart for church today so that I please God because I'm going to give him my Sunday best on church on Sunday. Now, maybe that's not your world at all. But the challenge is if I'm walking into the presence of God, I'm worshiping God, and I haven't jumped through that hoop because that Sunday, I, this Sunday I woke up late. So I didn't get dressed great. And I'm in church, and well, I can't really worship today because I'm not really dressed my best. No, Paul's saying that's not the gospel. That's not freedom. I want you free. And yes, so questions are popping up even in the series. Mark, when are you going to, what about things like tithing and giving? Yes, it's exactly what he's talking about. He's saying you are so free that you are free to give. Not because God is going to now be some, some genie on the other side of a one-armed bandit where you give because now actually you're going to please him by your giving. No, Jesus has already given and I give because he has given. I am free to give. Freedom is exhilarating. And so I want to speak about two things as we go this morning. I want to speak about the things that we are free from because we so often celebrate that. What I'm free from. We keep looking at that thing I'm free from. Look at that thing. I'm free from that thing. And I want to land on what we are free for because I think it's exhilarating. And um, let me just get my iPad back and find out where we are. <laughs> So what is Christian freedom? It's very different to the world, but it is for freedom. Christ has set us free. I want to spend four things that, that we are set free from. The first one is this, and it is connected to justification because it's all about them. It's free from, and I become free from, it's all about me. Isn't that a good one to become free from? In a world where it is all about me, and it's my world and my story, actually, Jesus breaks in, and the greatest freedom he gives me is the fact that it's no longer about me. How can we say that? Well, because justification and the whole fight in this book and the whole fight of Martin Luther, Luther was that you can do nothing for your justification. It's all in Jesus. It's got nothing to do with your ability to pull anything off. It's 100%, completely, 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 completely. Say completely. That means everything. A hundred percent in Jesus. So I'm freed from this thing that it's about me. Isn't that liberating? I don't know about you, but, but 
for years, I navigated this. And I think in every heart there is a navigation on this journey. Some maybe walked in church last week, you've got previous experience in church or religion or whatever, and you feel like, because every other religion is do this, do this, do this, and you will reach nirvana. You will reach God. You will spend eternity with God if you do this and this and this. And Christianity says, you do one thing at the start, boom. It's called the gospel. This thing is in my eyeline here. I'm going to move it down. Is that all right? There we go. We're winning now. But the greatest freedom, and one of the greatest freedoms, is it's all done in Jesus. That's why he's saying circumcision is not the issue. The issue is your heart that wants to lean towards your obeying. Some teacher coming and saying, if you would just get that. If you just get that thing, then you're just that much better with God. It's a lie, guys. It's a lie. We've got to be so careful how we raise our kids. I've got, I've got to be honest. I grew up in a Christian home with parents who love. We've got to be careful how we raise our kids. I catch myself doing it all the time. And we put these things, if you just do this and this, then you can have this. What are we saying to them? If you just keep working harder, maybe I will love you more. We've got to be careful. And it's hard, and I'm navigating that thing. But legalism and every level of legalism, where our responsibility to pull it off, our efforts to please God, never lead to freedom. So Paul's fighting there. He says, those guys preaching that thing, I wish they would just go do the full job for themselves. It's quite a radical statement. He's not angry, and he doesn't hate circumcision. He just hates the chains that it brings back on believers. The picture in his head is people who've been set free from being chained to war. See, this guy who wrote this book had been chained before many times. He knew what it was like to be in prison. And he knew what it was like to walk free of those chains. He's saying, guys, taking this gospel on, it's like going back and yourself putting those chains back on. Second thing is we get freedom from being ruled by sin. Galatians tells us that we have died to the law and to sin. Romans 6 verse 17 and 18. But thanks be to God. That though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. That was, that's a really good scripture. Can we get slightly excited? Just a little. Can you just go, wow. You, I mean, honestly, it's amazing. So does it mean sin is no longer a factor for the believer at all? I'm free from any sin cannot touch me. Sin, get behind me. No, the reality is I still have some grave clothes of the old self that cling on. And until Jesus comes back, those things will still be around. And I still have a fight to go for. He says, fight for those things. Fight for righteousness. Fight for purity. Fight for those things. But understand this. You no longer have a master called sin standing over your life, directing your path. Which means we no longer get statements like, actually, I just, I just fell into the bed with the other person. I fell. I don't know because someone pushed me. No, you, you're not that guy anymore. You've been set free from that push. So you get to make decisions as free sons and daughters. But understand this, you're still a slave to righteousness, freedom, and life. And we're going to explain that a little bit because that is so good. So I'm shooting through this a little bit. Does that make sense? Yeah. This third thing that we are set free from is spiritual bondage. This, this burden, this weight, this, this guilt that sits upon people who are, I haven't done enough. Maybe that's not you, but I, I, remember, um, I remember going to church sometimes, and a friend of mine, Rory Dyer, was leading the church. He's a big guy. He's intimidating. He walks around like this all the time. Some of you have met him. And I just think, this, I just see God just tells him everything. So he would walk that side of the church. I'd walk the other side. 
And I see him walk out just because I just caught a little bit of this guilt. And even though I was saved, I, was, I lived with a little bit of like a, a low conscience, like a, like a seared conscience a little bit about being a teenager. And actually, I really schmuck some of the girlies at church, if I'm just being honest. <laughs> just, so I didn't want this big guy to know that because maybe he'd clap me. I'm like, and I lived with this conscience and I lived with it. It's actually a spiritual bondage. And actually, Paul is right saying freedom deals with that. Freedom brings, um, the gospel brings freedom deep down and where our fears and our consciences, our consciences are being liberated. Why? Because there's a journey for them. When my emotions are so wrapped up in everything I fear and everything that's behind me, I don't have the emotional capacity to go on the journey that God wants me to go on with him. A relationship. You know what it's like. If you have a relationship where there's a fear that they would find something out, does that relationship ever thrive? Can't thrive. That's why the Bible says, get that stuff in the light. Get in the light. That's why confession is a gift. That's why repentance is a gift given to the, the believer to liberate our hearts and set us free to enjoy relationship with God. And it's an amazing, amazing thing. Understanding justification frees us from the burden of trying to earn God's approval by our works. It frees us from the principle of obedience as the way to be saved. It's the big fight of Martin Luther, the Protestant Reformation. It was worth fighting for. It's still worth fighting for. And the last one, and I think this is a cultural challenge. And it's this one, freedom from the fight against authority in my life. Hey, don't put that on me, bro. Don't put, uh, don't, I don't want any authority in my life. Hey, look what leaders have done. Look at our government. Look at nations. Look at this. I don't want any authority in my life. And I want to tell you that freedom can only be found and maintained by submission to proper authority. One of the greatest lies that our generation has believed is I need no authority in my life at all. I'm in control. I've got this thing. Tim Keller challenges it, and he puts it this way. Whatever we live for has control over us. Whatever we live for has control over us. We do not control ourselves. The things we live for enslave us with guilt if we fail to attain them, or anger if someone blocks them from us, or fear if they are threatened, or drivenness since we must have them, or despair if we ever lose them completely. We have to live for something, and something will control us. What will we do then? There is one master, however, who can forgive. None of the others ever will. Who will last. None of the rest ever can. Neither failure on our part nor the circumstances of life can separate us from him. Thus only in service to him will we find freedom. True freedom is to be who we're meant to be. Sons and daughters, under a king, in a house, with authority in our lives, with men and women who can speak into our lives, with the biblical authority over our lives in a story that's bringing us into something bigger called the family of Christ. And there is such a push, and it's a dangerous push against any kind of authority in life, and yet if we understand the authority of Jesus in our life, that that brings complete freedom to our lives and spaciousness to our lives, we can thrive in that. But there is a fight for what will be that master in our lives. And so Paul fights this fight of circumcision because it's the same fight that we all fight. It'll, for some, it'll be circumcision. For some, most of us, not so much. But for many, it'll be something else. 
it's, it's, well, I trust Jesus. But if someone once said in 1978 that if you don't have a quiet time every morning, the dove will fly away from you. So I get up at 6 o'clock every morning. Now, here's the challenge. Getting up at 6 o'clock every morning to spend time with Jesus is really good for you. It's really great for you. And if it's a discipline that leads to freedom and life, it will lead to life and it will lead to Jesus. But if getting up at 6 and every morning is like, oh, I've got to get up because Jesus is not going to love me. We're off the cliff. That is no freedom. That is no life. And there will be no unending joy in that story. You get it? It's simple, guys. But it can be anything. The Bible says I must, I, must, I must love and sacrifice myself for my wife. And everything I do is this religious act to love and sacrifice my life. I lay down everything else to do that one thing. Because I have a revelation. The Bible says that. No, the Bible does say that completely. But do it because you are free to do it. Do it because you have received love. And because you have received love, I can give love. And I can pour it out with unending limitation. Because he keeps pouring it out to me with unending limitation. This is good news. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And my kid's iPad keeps dying on me. I apologize. I bind you, laptop. iPad. (laughs) But there is this fight, and I want to end with this story. And Paul says, stand firm then. Stand firm. He's taking the people that are like my young son, and he's saying, stand firm. He's taking their shoulders, and he's holding them, saying, stand firm in the grace that you have received. Don't let someone put that yoke on your life. Stand firm. It's the same word that Moses spoke to the Israelites in Exodus 14. They'd gone on this journey. They were slaves. They were whipped, and they were beaten, and they were made to work, and they hated it. And God liberates them, and God takes them on this liberating journey, and Paul, Moses answers the people because they get a little grumpy and they've marched away and they look up and it says this, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians. There come our previous masters. They're like the chains nailed against the wall that are still there. The chains that are still in the castles of our city that represent incarceration and slavery of the past. If we don't take our eyes off the chains, we'll struggle to see the liberation and the freedom that we have. And Paul writes, and he carries on in verse 13 as he has challenged them, because they're saying, leave us alone. We want to go back. We want to go back into slavery. And Moses, it doesn't even say God told Moses. Moses was just a man who'd encountered the king of kings. So Moses answered them as that man. And he says, do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring to you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. It's justification hundreds of years before. You need only to be still. The Lord will do everything. Stand firm. Hundreds of years later, in a region where he's preached the gospel, goes back and Paul goes back and says, stand firm. Stand firm. Because Maybe you can't see it because slavery is foreign to you. That's the challenge with us. Slavery is a foreign concept to us. It's a foreign concept to many. But it's just as real as when my heart is enslaved. It says, stand firm in the promise and the justification of Jesus' sufficiency and in your call to be freed. People pray, what am I called to? You are called to be free. It's an everyday battle for every one of us. Am I a slave? Am I a son? Because the Bible says I'm a son. But when I kick into 
my mode where I am king, I slip into slavery very quickly. And he says, do not be afraid. The greater freedoms will come. And I want to jump a little bit ahead because just a bit further, when God has spoken to Moses and he says, I want you to go preach. I want you to set my people free. He says this, let my people go so they may worship me. We always stop there. He says, let my people go so they may worship me in the wilderness. Welcome to the gospel. Let my people go. Why? So they may worship you. Where? In the wilderness. It's a challenging gospel, this. How do we respond to recession? I receive the freedom that Jesus gives me. I keep my heart big to him because he is the provider. He is my everything. And I trust that source completely, whether that journey takes me through the wilderness or not. It's called maturity. It's called sitting with two people who have walked with the Lord a long time who lose their kid in a motorbike accident and I'm completely humbled by my immaturity. And I'm the church leader. They're not. That's a believer. That's what Paul's fighting for. He says, your heart in the midst of the greatest trials and challenge can still be free. It's called the gospel. Our greatest freedom is what we have been freed for. And I want to end here. I'm freed from sin and I'm freed from this and I'm freed from myself. I'm freed from all these amazing things. But I want to tell you what we are freed for. We are freed for relationship with Jesus. We were freed for the same reason the Egyptians, the Israelites were freed in Egypt. I am freed to worship him in the greatest trials of my life. I'm free to worship him in the greatest lows of my life. I'm free to worship him. When it's not going well with my kids, I'm free to worship him. I'm freed because my heart is freed. Circumstances might look like I'm incarcerated. Here's the reality of the gospel. You can be sitting in a prison in a two-by-three cell and have the greatest freedom ever known to mankind because it's the freedom that only God can give. It's the freedom that comes in Jesus Christ. It's the greatest freedom. And I want to read from Ephesians 3 because to me, this is the definition of freedom. It gives my heart and sets my heart alive. Paul is praying for the Ephesian church and he says this, and I ask him that with both feet firmly planted on, on love, Stand firm, where? On the love of Jesus Christ. You'll be able to take in with all, you'll be able to take in with all the Christians the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. And this is the definition of freedom for me. And I believe the gospel. Reach out and experience the breath. Everyone wants to go higher, faster, wider. Reach out and experience the breath. It says test its length. Plumb the depths. Rise to the heights. Live full lives, full in the fullness of God. God can do anything you know far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. Glory to God in the church. Glory to God in the Messiah and Jesus. Glory down all the generations. Glory through all millennial. Oh, yes. See, I have little kids, and when we go on holiday, they're used to these beaches where it's cold, so they stay a little closer, and the roofs aren't that bad. We go on holiday to Durban, and it's like the Wild West. I used to do life-saving there, and I can see the banks, and I can see the roofs, but my kids don't know that. So they have something inside them called a desire for greater freedom. It was put inside of us before we were born. 
and they're walking backwards looking. And dad's going, come closer. They're going, I'm acting like I'm not seeing you. <laughs> there are many people on that beach. Meanwhile, there's no one on the beach, just me. And they're pushing every boundary. We are designed to do that. Stop beating yourself up for being that person. But understand, that desire has a focus. And it's completely, 100%, Jesus. It's called the gospel. It's called freedom. It's liberty that man cannot explain away with circumstance or situation or bank accounts or whatever. It's called the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can we stand together as I hand over to Eric? Just, can I pray just as the band comes up? Uh, there's such a fight in this book. Paul doesn't use expressive, demonstrative, strong language to just shock the church. He's not that guy. He's a father fighting for the freedom of God's children. He's that guy. There's a fight for your freedom today, sir. Or ma'am. There's a fight. A spiritual fight. A fight you can't win on your own. We're going to take communion now as I hand over to Ed, but I'd love to pray. Can we just close our eyes just for a second? Sometimes we just need a moment to respond. Sometimes this journey is actually harder for those who've been church for most of their life. Just let's be real with that. But here's the thing. Every day I get a choice. Every time I encounter the gospel, the word, every time I get, I get the opportunity to make a decision. Who is Jesus? How good is he? And is he perfect in every way for my freedom? And I want to pray this morning. If you know there's anything in your life that you're saying, actually, that one thing that I do, that I hope people see and I really hope Jesus sees, that maybe no one else sees, but I hope Jesus sees, even if it's a good spiritual discipline and you've heard training courses for years about it. I'm telling you, if there's any trust in that one thing, your generosity, your time, your willingness to sit with someone, oh, I'm gonna counsel this one person because Jesus would have. No, that's not why you sit with someone. You sit with them because you received his love and you've got something to give. It's called the gospel. This morning, will you allow the freedom to come into your heart? Will you raise your hands to him? My eyes are shut, every eye is shut. This is between you and Jesus. Raise your hands and say, Jesus, I want to know that freedom. It's Jesus plus nothing. I want to live in that freedom. I want to walk in that freedom. I want to be able to dance like others do in that freedom. Why? Because you gave your life for that freedom. I pray, Spirit of God, this morning. Where you are, there is freedom, fullness of freedom. That's the promise of the word. Invade hearts this morning as you do so gently and bring freedom. Strip off legalism that's in my heart, good Lord. Strip off smallness that's in my heart, Lord. Slip off the little things that have been around for years that I hold on to because I think somehow they're going to bring more space in my life. Strip them off, I pray, God, as you strip them off your people this morning, King. We worship you, Jesus.